the chance for Rebo to Jackson. Oh, oh he's got it! Oh, Tigers in front! Jackson kicks! Jackson goes! Tigers get the break they require! G'day, welcome to the Foundations of Performance podcast, where we chat to elite performers from around the world in order to tap into the knowledge and experience that has helped them get to the top of their game. My name is Dan Jackson, I'm a former professional Australian rules footballer, and it's my goal to share with you the tips, secrets, and lessons learned from the guests I speak with so that you can apply them to your own performance. So whether you're an aspiring athlete, dancer, musician, or simply someone who's looking to better themselves, grab a pen, Sit back and join me on this journey to uncover the secret to turning potential into elite performance. This episode is a long one, so I'm going to keep this introduction very short. Uh, my guest on the Foundations of Performance podcast is Sean Mathias, who is a professional Canadian ice hockey player who has played 551 NHL games over his 11-year NHL career. Uh, he's played for teams such as the Florida Panthers, the Vancouver Canucks, the Leafs, Colorado Avalanches, and most recently the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he's one of those guys that I'd love to tap into his stories because, in his own words, uh, he's not necessarily the best player that's ever played, but he's absolutely given it his all to make sure that he's lasted as long as he had. And I really do think these are the kinds of guys you can learn the most from. Speak about a wide range of things, how important it is to have balance on and off the ice, the importance of being a person of good character and a good teammate, um, what it's like to be traded mid, mid-year and how that can upset your routines and your frequencies. So plenty of different things to learn from, but let's just get in there and you can hear it from the man himself, Sean Mathias, NHL. Enjoy. All right, Sean, mate, you've just let me know that um, you've taken the afternoon off a golf game to chat to me, so I'm a little bit nervous that I've, I've got to do a good job here, but uh, mate, really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. First podcast, so uh, this is quite the experience. Oh, good. Well, you're, uh, you've been around the block plenty of times, mate. I was just looking. I know you quite well, obviously, but I hadn't really paid much attention to um, your hockey career. You know, I've always just been focused on you, the good mate. But you've been what you've had eleven NHL years now, so you would be qualified as a veteran in the NHL then. I would hope so by now. I mean, uh, <laughs> been fortunate to play uh, ten years pro, uh, parts of eleven seasons, I guess, and uh, you know, four years of junior. I've seen my fair share of stuff and uh, played with some great players, and uh, yeah, I think you could. Uh, I think it's safe to say I'm now a veteran, thirty years old, and uh, getting older, and yeah, I'm a veteran. Wiley vet. <laughs> Mate, you're old and wise. That's what it is. I couldn't believe, though, like, again, I, I, I know a bit, knew a bit about your journey, but you were drafted back in 2006 by, it was Detroit Red Wings, yeah, but then traded to Florida before you even got to Detroit. Is that how it panned out? Yeah, so um, I was drafted by Detroit, and then the first trade deadline um, that following year, I got traded at the deadline. I was in Belleville with all the all the guys. We're in uh, we're in the dressing room, and uh, we're just tying up our skates, getting ready for uh, practice. And uh, they go, a prospect's been traded to Detroit for Todd Bertuzzi and a second round pick or something. And all the guys are kind of like, "Dage, Dage, imagine if this is you." And I'm like, "There's no chance. Like, they're probably gonna take like." <laughs> One of the guys, like, in the AHL, like a top prospect type of guy, I was like, there's no way it's me. And then 
like probably like I don't know, fifteen minutes later, they they all of a sudden like breaking news like and the prospect that's been traded to De- to uh, Florida from Detroit is Sean Mathias and the whole room just started like jumping around and laughing and we're just like what is going on here like is I'm like holy shit these guys just like what were they thinking and then um yeah I didn't have a very good practice after that and uh it was kind of a whirlwind from that day on uh definitely before that even but um you know junior after that was a little bit crazier because at that point, and this is, you're going to have to fill me in on the system. You were obviously drafted and then still playing juniors in the OHL or something. Like, how does the system work with from like 16 to 18 for you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, I got traded and I still had a, a year and a half left in junior. So, I, I didn't move or anything. So, you, so in junior, so you get drafted you go, and then you stay yeah. playing juniors. Huh. Yes. So, so, you get drafted to the, to the OHL where I was drafted to Belleville. And then after, uh, so I played an underage year, so 16. And then uh, the next year is your draft year to the NHL. So 17 turning 18 is your draft year to the NHL. So the next year I got drafted. And then the third year I got at the trade deadline, I got traded. So that was my first trade deadline since being drafted. And I'm getting traded for Todd Bertuzzi. And I'm like, what the heck? It's going on because it's like I still had a full year the next year. So it wasn't like I wasn't even signed yet. So I wasn't even under contract or anything. I was just my rights had been traded. So, I mean, it wasn't that crazy for me. But, I mean, all of a sudden, like, it put a little bit more pressure on me to to make the big leagues, I guess. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, at that age, you're already in a pretty high-performance uh, system. So when you walk in, when you first walked into what your first club ended up being, the Florida Panthers, were you prepared for that that professional level, or was it another step up going from where you'd been playing into this into this big men's league? I think it was um, too soon for me, honestly. Like when I look back at my career and like just being open about it, I mean, I just think. So I played games at 19. They kind of rushed me in after World Juniors. And, um, you know, things were pretty crazy at that point in my life. I mean, I just won gold with Team Canada. And then I'm going uh, back and I'm, like, pumped to get back with the guys at junior. Like, we had a really close team in junior. And it's just different in junior. You hang out with the guys more. You're, you're kids, right? You don't, you're not playing with guys that have kids and their <laughs> stuff. So you're just, like – it's just different. Like you, you're around each other every day. You go to school together, you practice together, you eat together, you go to movies together, you do everything together. Like those are your best buddies at that time in your life. And, and, uh, then you go to pro, you know, guys have, you know, guys are busier guys, like I said, have families and whatnot. So that was definitely different. But, um, where's it going with this? I mean, I said, I don't know if I was ready, but like, how can you be ready? Right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, it's it's just a different lifestyle, different game. It's more obviously it's more intense. Guys are playing for lots of money, and uh, and you're playing against the best players in the world, and uh, it's a it's tough. I mean, it's uh, it just training for it and everything's uh, it can be hard on your mind. But it, but uh, for me at that age, I mean, it probably would have been good if they had never 
called me up after World Juniors, like I was saying, and and bring me up for a couple of games, and then let me start in the minors and kind of keep me more at float. But um, I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't obviously going to say no. It was a great opportunity. I don't regret it going, obviously, but. I mean, looking back at it, it probably would have done me better if, if that hadn't happened and come into camp, you know, just just with a different – it definitely changes your mindset, right? How can it not? You just all of a sudden one day you're going, I don't know if I'm ever going to play in the NHL. I'm going to work as hard as I can. All of a sudden you play a few games in the NHL, get a little bit of success. You're like, that was the NHL. Like, it's just – you know, it just changes you a bit, right? And uh, you go into camp next year. You're like, I want that again. I want that, obviously, but – Probably, probably. De- so you, you start overthinking like some of your development, I think. And probably the best thing for me would have been just to start right in the A and work my way up like a lot of great players have instead of being like so focused on the NHL because I got that taste, right? Mm-hmm. And once you get that taste of that lifestyle, it's it's hard to not want to be back there. And and for some guys, it's probably a great thing. For me, I, I probably should have had that carrot in front of my nose, but uh, I mean, I've been fortunate to have a, a very long career in the in the game and uh, meet a lot of good people on the way, and it's been awesome. So, I mean, you had a bloody good junior career if you represented Canada and, and you guys won gold. I know as well. So, were you? Would you say you're a pretty confident young player at that point when sort of 16, 17, 18? Yeah, I mean, if you look at my uh, junior career, I mean, I didn't start off well. I like sixteen, you don't play a lot, and then. You know, you're, there's a big difference between a 16 year old man and a 20 year old man, right? You're 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 playing against a boy, and one's playing against a man, and uh, so the better players in the league are typically your older guys, and then you have some great young guys like like uh, John Tavares who comes in the league at 15 or wow. whatever it was, he comes in a year earlier, and you know McDavid and and some of the 16 year olds that are drafted are unbelievable as well, so. I mean, there's guys that make an impact right away. For me, it took me a little while to to find my game in that league. And but uh, the last couple of years were great. I played with some great players. I, we had some great chemistry, and we just had a great group of guys. We just had fun, and every day was like a great time at the rink. And and uh, I really enjoyed my time in Belleville. We were in a little town. The town enjoyed the team, and. Um, yeah, it's four years that go by way too quick and you don't really – you look back and you go, man, those years were fun. Mm. Well, that's I, it's, confidence is such a big thing in sport, as you well know, after 11 years of ups and downs. And it's funny, I, again, I hadn't heard that story but and whether I've told you mine, but I was drafted at 17. I was still a schoolboy, so kind of the same thing as you. Really enjoyed, loved playing footy with my mates. It was something that I was aspiring to do professionally maybe one day. Hadn't thought much about it. And then that opportunity came and it was the same answer. Like, well, you can't really say no to this. But I remember day one walking into this camp and going, wow, I am so out of my league here. And so going from being a real confident young boy to being, or sorry, what I thought was a comfort, com- um, confident young man, I felt like a, a really not very confident boy going into a, uh, into a team full of men. And I'm kind of the same as you. I always think, geez, I wonder if it would have been better for me to wait till I was 18 to get that confidence up, just build up a bit more um, discipline, a bit more composure, and then launch when I'm ready. But I think there are so many people with stories like ours, you just can't say no to to what you've been dreaming um, of. And, and you can't change it, but you often wonder what could or may have been um, 
different. And I guess you were such a big player too. They probably looked at you and thought, well, you look like a man, you built like a man, you'll be fine out there. But um, it does take its toll on, like you said, the, the confidence in the mind. It's hard on your mind. Yeah, you know, it's it's just uh, it's hilarious when you think about it. Like you go in and you're 20 years older. I mean, your first NHL camp, you're 18, and you're just been watching these guys on TV, and now all of a sudden one of them invites you out for dinner or whatever, and you don't know what to say to them. Like, there's, it's just, it's a different lifestyle. And, and it's, it's, you gotta be, uh, I don't think there's any way of being ready for it. And confidence is definitely an issue, like at all times in sports. If you don't have your confidence, I mean, you know how it is. You don't play as well as you can and when you're feeling confident nothing goes wrong you just have that hot stick where you're scoring or whatever and uh it's uh you got to be a confident player if you want to be successful you can't you can't ever hinder from that it's like a fighter right if you're going to fight someone you got to be confident you're going to win you're not going to go in the ring and and try and knock this you know you're going to get knocked out if you don't think you can win so it's the same type of thing and and you know how it is yeah, it's good. That's a really good point, and I want to come back to that later. Like specifically, talk around confidence and, and how you build it up and that kind of thing. But uh, I want to sort of stick with your early days. I find this stuff so intriguing. When you know, getting older players with experience to talk about their early impressions and the lessons they learned, because I think a lot of people listening can can learn from that. Younger athletes who are about to start this journey that you and I reminisce back on. So, what do you reckon was um, either? an important lesson or maybe some good advice that you got in the early days down in Florida from maybe a senior player or a coach around the team that really sort of helped you adjust and, and, and pick up your performance? Like I was really lucky to have uh, Stephen Weiss <coughs> um, take me under his wing. He let me stay at his house. Uh, it just helped me out, man. Like just taught me how to be a pro and, and um, be a good person. Like he, he taught me a, good, a lot of good life lessons that I still carry to this day. And uh, he was an assistant captain. He was a top player on their team for a long time. He was, he was a good person to be around. And uh, we gelled off the ice. I mean, we were roommates on the road as well, and we just really got along. And But he definitely helped me. And it's good to have those guys that you can kind of talk to at times too, right? Because they've all been through it too. They know, they know how it is, right? You have your good years, bad years, and – They've seen it all before you have. So anything you got to talk to, I mean, it's good to talk to the older guys usually. What was one of the life lessons that uh, you and Marie taught you? Ooh. Put you on the spot. Yeah. I mean, just from anything, man, just uh, <laughs> I don't want to sewer him here. So I'm just <laughs> like, what can I say right now? Okay. What about how to be a pro even? So what was some one of the lessons he gave you? Like you've come from playing for Canada as a world champion. You've been one of the top guys in the junior leagues there. You've enjoyed yourself, but you walk in the door, you're probably pretty raw as far as your routines and your discipline and your professionalism. What was some of the, one of the things that, that Steve um, in past, passed on to you pretty quickly? I think just like routine and stuff, you know, he was uh, – in pro, you eat at different times even. Like in junior, we would eat our pregame at like three. And in pro, like you're going through like like a full schedule where you're, you eat at noon or 11.30 and then you have your nap and then you have a snack at like 3.30, 4 o'clock and then you go to the game. And it was just kind of junior. It's just I'm going to sleep in today. 
say, oh, crap, we have a, a tracksuit skate that we're just going to go saucer pucks to each other and just coaches even out there were just going to mess around and then go for breakfast together, go home, sleep for a few hours, eat, hang out, you know what I mean, and then go play a game. And we were a top team, so we were a pretty confident bunch. And uh, and then afterwards, probably hang out together and maybe have a few beers or do whatever. But um, pro, it was like teaching you how to, you know, just get your routine together. So you're just um, doing the same thing every game day. And, and uh, having him as a roommate on the road too, like, I mean, it's not like I'm going to turn the TV on when he's napping. If he's napping, I'm napping. So <laughs> it was uh, – and, and also do it like the night before a game, even like the routine of that, right? Going for a dinner and um, just like getting your rest and how to f- fly and like recover and stuff like that. You're just constantly learning. And even today, like everything's changing too, right? So you're always trying to like have a step ahead of everyone. Like nowadays, we wear like these skins when we fly. Like that stuff wasn't, if it was, I never saw it, but you know, guys were just wearing their shorts or whatever and just hanging out. Now guys are wearing stuff to keep their blood flowing while we're in the air because of, uh, I guess, all the altitude and stuff and avoid blood clotting. Mm. It's, mate, it, of the, all the guys I've been interviewing on this podcast have all said the same thing because everyone's been a veteran effectively. They've all just said it's this. It's those who need – you just need to be learning. You've got to be constantly asking questions. And I remember too now, I probably didn't ask enough questions when I got drafted, not because I thought I had the answers. I was just too nervous to, to put myself out there and, and sound like an idiot. But I watched young guys come in who I didn't think were very talented, but they just were incessant learners. They would watch the best. They would copy the best. They would ask questions of the best guys on our team. And all of a sudden, their, their lack of talent was quickly made up by their absolute amount of knowledge and effort. And then they were playing regular uh, Aussie rules football. So it sounds like it's a similar trade in, in hockey as well. Those who are curious will find answers for what they need to do. For sure. I mean, like, I look at the team I was just playing with. You got uh, Mark Shifley, who's unbelievable player, but he's, he's young. And then you got Wheeler, who's his line mate and his buddy, and he's an older player. And you know, he's obviously learning a lot from him and stuff. And, like, that's awesome. And and Mark, like, he does a lot of stuff on his own. Like, he's a great pro. And to be that young and be that good of a pro, like, that's where the game's gone. You know, it was a little different when I – like, maybe it was just in Florida at that time in their uh, history. But, you know, it was – in you know, guys didn't, didn't have Norma Techs traveling around with those and stuff and doing all these things. It was just kind of playing hockey and – doing what we knew then and now it's like guys are flying people in to do treatment and maybe they were on other teams but seeing that it's pretty like it's definitely like more intense like the treatment and everything like that is definitely involved and if you're staying behind I mean especially at this age now you got to be on top of your body to be feeling good out there which is something I probably learned a little too late in my career. I'm going to come to that later because I know you're a super professional now, but I want to get to sort of at what point you learned that. But going back to, to Florida, because I'm kind of, I love building up the chronological uh, story. If you were going to give yourself a lesson, so Stephen Weiss gave you uh, good lessons and, and, and taught you how to be a pro. If you were about to, if you were about to walk into the, uh, the change room as that 18 year old, again, or into the club for the first time, you had an opportunity to grab yourself on the shoulder and give yourself some advice at that age. What would you tell yourself uh, right at the start of your career? that you thought might help? Probably just say, like, loosen up, man. Like, have some more fun. Be honest. Like, be a good pro. Take it seriously. But, you know, just when you're at home, like, 
get something like have fun, like have a hobby, like do something outside that you can like get away from the game, like, uh, like fishing or something, you know, like just do something that's going to, when you're at the rink, you're there, you're working, you're working hard. Like that was something Weiser did. Like he was, uh, he was a big golfer. He believed in that. And that was his, um, time to get his mind right and, and get it off, uh, off of hockey and, and I think uh, that's the best advice you can have these young guys. Like, do other things because if you're – or maybe I'm wrong there. You know, like, that could be the other thing too. Like, maybe some guys, they have to be 100% in. Like, for me there too, like, I was 100% in and it was hard. It's hard on your mind to be, like, turned on for 24-7. You need to get away and you need to have some moments. But maybe some guys, they need to be like that to be successful. I mean – Everyone's different. Yeah, you're spot on. Uh, I used to always be very much in the camp of you have to have other things going on because I was just like you. I, I felt the mental burden of sport more than anything else. I didn't the, the physical stuff never bothered me. I knew training was going to be hard. I knew I could get hurt. Didn't phase me in the slightest. But that mental pressure of having to perform every week was always that thing that weighed me down. So having a distraction was was important. But I think as I got older, I realized exactly what you just said then. Just because I'm wired that way doesn't mean other people are. But saying that, like you know, networking in mental health now and, and or mental well-being, especially with athletes, and there's such you know, there's so many big dramas around the world, and so many guys are struggling. You st- start to think, well, is 100 percent in going to be healthy for anyone? Even if you do just love playing hockey or footy, and that's all you've ever wanted to do, is it good for you to just do that? Because everyone has setbacks they've got to deal with. And if that's all you've got going for you, like where you, where's your mind going to take you? You're not going to be able to stop dwelling on it 24-7. I don't think that can be healthy. So I don't know if there's an answer or, or, or what, but maybe we're still just working it out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like you just gotta, you got to – I think you got to do stuff. Like just you, you got to open up your world. You can't just stay doing the same thing, right? Like you'll you go crazy. Like isn't that the definition of craziness to do the same thing over and over again? look for a different result or whatever, but you go crazy. But, um, but it's kind of the same thing. Like every summer, like you're trying to get that better season, right? So you're, you're always looking for that great season, that great season, which is the way every player, every athlete should, should work. But like, if you try the same thing every year, like for me, it was just like hit the gym, go as hard as I can. And I probably burnt myself out. It wasn't like the smartest and like, probably should like now being older, I'm like, man, like I need to take some time for my head to be right. Just do other things like yoga and work on my breathing and things that I didn't even think of when I was younger and just calming down. Right. Like you just went through how many months of just like intense work. Like I wasn't even playing this year and I could feel the intensity in the, in the room, you know, the team did really well. We had a great group. Guys are having great seasons and we were having a lot of fun doing it, but it was like, still a heavy season like you gotta like decompress from that type of thing you know and and if you have things to do whether it be fishing or traveling or whatever it is and you can just get your mind off things and learn about another side of you I think it's just gonna carry carry into the next uh, season and you're gonna you know you're going through that tough time you can look back at that or be like oh that was fun and think about another trip or something else to look forward to and uh, work on your craft, whether it be golfing, hunting, whatever. This season I, I tried hunting and uh, it was something to do on a day off. Um, 
the wife would be working on her schoolwork and be annoyed with me every second. So I just, all right, I'm going hunting. <laughs> so something to do, get away from the sport for a little while, get the mind right and, and uh, be outside at the same time, right? So it was good. It's actually studies that show if you, even for people who work in offices, if they take some time just to go for a walk in a park or lo- even looking at it, green space as helps you recover your mind, recover more quickly than um, going into a city where it's busy and hectic. So I think hunting would be right up there, given that you're riding with nature. I think you're onto something. I mean, when you're in Florida, though, I, was one, I was one with nature. I was one with nature. That's right. Getting zen. Um, when you're in oh, Florida, yeah. though, you had the beach nearby. So, I mean, I always looked at it as maybe one of those places there would be so many distractions it'd impact your ability to focus on hockey. But if you're 100 percent in, were you, did you have any balance at that point? Did you have anything else you were doing outside of just training and playing? Oh man, I mean, there's definitely distractions. <laughs> you got my so, there. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, I can't just sit here and be like, I was the perfect pro. I didn't like, obviously, distractions at times definitely got to me. So, how did you stay focused with those distractions in place? I think if you, I mean, you're busy a lot, right? You're playing a lot. And if you're, if you go too crazy, right, if you go too into it, you're going to have a blow up where you go out and just get drunk or something, you know, just, you need, you're just like, I need a night. Like (laughs) that was a hard week. Like something either goes well and, or goes poorly. You just, you just sometimes, if you don't release any of this stuff and you just hold it all in, you're going to go nuts. And that's when you're going to just like chaos. You need some order in your life and to let things go. Right. So I mean, it's a it's a tough season. Like you're you're playing through injuries at times, and you definitely got to talk to people and like call some friends or whatever. And uh, you got to get things off your mind. Like if you you know you got to know who your buddies are on the team and do things with them, and just not stay in and just be fully into it. Because I've tried that, and and uh, if things aren't going well, that's when you can find yourself in some dark places because you just are thinking about it non-stop and I've been there where like you know you're not playing your best or you've been injured and and uh maybe the team's not winning and and uh whatever it is and you're just thinking about it thinking about it, thinking about it so I mean I in Florida I would go to the beach or something and be like okay here we go like I feel good today but like sometimes it's like it, you only do those things for yourself when you're playing well. It's like, why are you punishing yourself when you're not? It's like, ah, I, I can't do this. I got to worry about the hockey right now. When really you should go do some stuff and, and get your mind off of things and, and try something different, you know? Mm. Do you remind, so, I mean, that's bloody wise, wise, wise advice. Um, do you see that with younger I've been reading, man. I've been reading lately. Yeah. I've been reading books, man. I know, mate. You can- I've been reading all these books. I'm like, I'm, yeah, man. This is as as most insightful as I've ever heard you. I'm glad we've got it um, recorded. But, I mean, this is the kind of stuff, mate, that I go to schools and I talk about. One of my sort of pillars for resilience is around perspective and a part of that is sort of like gratitude. And what you just said then about if, let's say, you're at the beach in in Miami, Florida, or you guys were in – where were you guys based? Uh, Fort Fort Lauderdale. You're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You're in a beautiful beach. There's palm trees. It's sun shining. And there's two places you can be. You can either be there and enjoying that space and, and, and who you're with, or you can be in your head thinking about your hockey 
And if you're in your head thinking about your hockey, you may as well just not be at that beach. And it's such easy advice to give people, especially young athletes. But it seems when you're young, it's just such hard advice to take because you do, you feel guilty. You're like, I shouldn't be at the beach. I should be doing extra reps. Well, maybe you already trained hard all morning and now you do need to recover mentally and physically. So being getting some sun, getting in the water is going to be really good for you. But it's certainly something that I found yeah. really hard early. You're the same? Yeah, like for me, like I lived in Boca my first couple of years, new to the NHL, got a place now in the NHL. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Boca. I want to be by the water. I want some shops around. <laughs> I just want to have a good time. And then two years of that, one year I was hurt for half the year with a broken ankle. And then the next year uh, next year was pretty good. But it's like – what am I doing to myself right now? I'm driving 40 minutes to the rink every day. I'm, uh, I'm all the way out here. Like this is, let's get, your, let's get her going. You know, you're, you're a young guy, like, sure. That was fun, but let's get close to the rink. So my last couple of years there I, in Florida, I lived by the rink. Um, my fitness went through the roof cause we had the lockout season that one year. And I just, my trainer and I just kept it going for like, nine months like I was a freaking machine by the end of that that time but it was crazy because we had nothing to do we had no idea when we were going to start back up so it was like all right I'm just gonna crush workouts and just get you know I had no distractions all my buddies were playing like somewhere else in in the AHL or the East Coast League and or I think I might still have friends in school or they were, they were living in their school town still. So I didn't have anyone like in the Toronto area and I just like cracked down and, and then I had my best season after that. And, and I kind of just adopted that kind of lifestyle where it's just like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in amazing shape every season. And I, I've done a pretty good job at p- putting myself through the ringer every summer and, and being a good pro in that sense. And I've always been in shape, but definitely that was kind of the moment where I was like, I need to crack down like bear bear like dive into this more and uh you know led me to vancouver and had a had a great season there with a great group of guys we made the playoffs and it was just a great season for everyone we all had a good time and it ended too quickly in playoffs but we had a great group and then it brought me home to toronto and i got to uh spend a year in front of friends and family playing and and uh you know and then winnipeg being with a great group there and uh going far in the playoffs so I mean if you look back at it it's it's I mean I never really thought about this it's funny we're, we're talking about it. it's just making me remember it all but definitely it was that lockout year when I just took my fitness more serious to the point where it was like almost insane and just something to do too I was enjoying working out at, you know I, I in Winnipeg I run all the time now I'm now I'm in the running train but fitness was really something for me to kind of you know, burn off that extra energy and stay in shape and feel good about myself. And, but it was definitely that year. Like I moved close. I was about, I was like living in between the practice rink and the game rink. So I cut down my driving and I could stay longer at the gym because I would still get home at this time and, and have like my time to myself before dinner and all that, you know, it was just like, it was just a really more balanced lifestyle. And uh, I lived with a good buddy of mine, you know, you know, Goody. Yeah. So it was good having him there too. The two of us could just, if something wasn't going great in the game, we talked to each other and we, we, uh, you know, you, you finally had someone to like kind of that could relate obviously, but also someone you could shoot the shit with and, and, uh, 
even if it's something funny, you know, like he was, he's a great friend for me and uh, he's really helped me in my career, but it was definitely uh, took off after that. Those decisions were made. How old were you when the lock at you? I want to say I was like 24. It probably. Now, the reason I ask, it seems to be for a lot of guys who, again, it comes back to me in my experience, but also guys I played with and, and maybe you'll share the same, but Around 22, 23, 24, it often seems to be that tipping point where guys' careers either end because they don't get that, they don't, for whatever reason, change their mindset and have that professional approach, or they really kick off exactly like you said. What do you reckon it was? Like, obviously, the circumstances around having the lockout year gave you the opportunity just to really bust your ass and get fit. But what was the the mental change to go for? Because you could have easily just cruised and gone and picked up an AHL team or something or play East Coast yourself. But what was that? change in your mind to go, nah, I am really going to take this seriously and take my training to the next level? Um, I don't know. Like I always, I always worked out hard in the summer, but I wasn't like great for maintaining it during the season. And uh, I was just, I would look a certain, <laughs> I would get like skinny fat by the end of the season, you know, like just like not, not there. I know it well. And, uh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I think a lot of athletes can relate. You're just holding on. Then, uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, you're just holding on, all right. But you know, you're eating a lot of carbs, and the diets were a little different back then than they are today. What guys are eating, but um, uh, yeah, I just like literally had a summer. I remember looking at a picture. I was with some buddies, and uh, I was like, "Wow, I don't look that good there." <laughs> I'm like, if this was the regular season. I would be going to camp right now looking like that. And it just like, I was just like, okay, the weight's not coming off like it, it had in the past. Like I'm getting a little older. I'm not 19 anymore where I can get away with, you know, I got to start dieting a lot better and stuff like that. And and then I just had all my friends kind of leave the gym. Like none of the, none of the guys were working out there. So I had the whole gym to myself with just the trainer. And we just like got to work and we just – I would work out with him in the morning and then I would go to the rink and skate with uh, four other NHL guys and we would just play uh, two on two the whole time. And we would do a, we would do 45 minutes of skills and we would play two on two for like an hour and a half. Like we had the ice all day because all the kids were back at school. So it was just like, like all I was doing was that. And then I was like, what am I going to do in my afternoon? So I started taking like, I had guitar lessons one day and I had drum lessons another day because I was like, I need something to do. So well, you're a, you're a bloody mean, good guitarist now. I was going to ask that later on, but I may as well take it while it's there. Is that when you learned to play guitar? You just self-taught or, or with lessons as well? Let's not say I'm really good because that's, uh, that's pushing it, but uh, I can dabble, but I, I started learning when I was like six, uh, 14. All right. So it's just something I... Something I do every now and then, I. But uh, you're not going to get me up on any stages oh, or anything. You've, so, you've sung me I a few am. lullabies before, mate. I, I, we don't don't get embarrassed by that. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's a bit. That's a really good um, distraction. We'll come back to then a bit uh, later on. But that makes sense. So you just you've start you got into a routine that was based on being professional. Everything was starting to come together. You're seeing results, and then from there, once you got back to playing after the lockout. In Vancouver, funnily enough, too, because I did look at that. You looked like you had a, a breakout year there, scored a hat trick, I think, at some point um, as well. But I was wondering what that tipping point was, and it seems like you're right. It's just it, it 
built up to that point and then you just really clicked into gear and sort of took it forward from there. What was it What was it like going from Florida where it's not a hockey city at all, a hockey state, but um, where you guys were based, I mean, anywhere in Florida is not a hockey place, but going to Vancouver where it's very hockey-oriented, what was it like sort of moving cities more than anything else, let alone just teams? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like one day you're <laughs> with the Florida Panthers and all of a sudden your world just gets flipped upside down. Like we were driving to the game. It's funny. I remember in the morning our player rep got – so every team has like an NHLPA rep that basically lets us know what's going on with the league and everything. And uh, – and, um, he got traded in the morning and he was great. He, he was really involved in everything. But when he asked me at the beginning of the year to be his second guy in case he got traded, I didn't really think of it as he was going to get traded. And I, and I knew nothing about it, paid attention to nothing. And then this guy gets traded in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, I'm responsible for this for the rest of the you year. You were the players association and then, from then on. Yeah. So I'm like number one now. And then, we're driving to the rink that night at the game. All afternoon, I'm just like, I can't believe, like, I gotta, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. And then we're driving to the game, and Roberto Lomongo tweets out um, a palm tree. It's like saying he's basically going back to Florida before it's even announced. And like, I can hear all the guys in the back whispering, and I hear my name. I'm like. I'm for sure traded here. Like I can hear these guys. I'm like not looking back. Not and all of a sudden my brother calls me. He's like, "Is it true?" I'm like, "What's that?" He's like, and I knew exactly what he's talking about. He's like, "Are you coming to Vancouver?" I'm like, "No, no, I don't. I don't know. Like I don't think so. Like nothing's happened." And then all of a sudden uh, we get to the rink and I knew what was going on. Like I'm not stupid. Like I knew I was traded, but. Uh, the coach calls me in his office. He's like, Hey, Sean, you've been traded. I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured that was, <laughs> that was happening. But, um, he's like, you're going to Vancouver. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, I, I know. And then, uh, next thing you know, it's you're under the bleachers with your bag and you're just waiting for Vancouver to tell you what to do next. And it's kind of a weird time in your life. Cause you don't, you just, everything you knew is now done. Like you're not going back to Florida anytime soon so it's forget that all your stuff's in florida and you really can't go any further from florida to vancouver of a move so it was uh it was definitely uh quite the experience so you you were driving to a rink what city were you in we were boston so you're, you're in boston so we're going to play the, yeah we're on the team bus going to play boston bruins and the coach was already at the rink so but you knew nothing when I about got there, I had to go like, and then your manager didn't know anything about it. The club hadn't alluded anything. It was just like, oh, hey, mate, yeah, so you were a Panther. Now you're a Canuck, just like that. Pretty much, yeah. That's, must, that's pretty ruthless. I mean, Austra- any Australians that are listening in, in, in Aussie rules football and Australian sports, that's so restricted by way of trade that they'd probably jaw would hit the ground just, just hearing that. Um, I mean, it's not as much of a surprise to me because if we fast forward to when you were playing Toronto. I think I watched you play one night. We went and had beers afterwards, and then I think I texted you in the morning saying something about catching up. You're like, "Yeah, sorry, mate, just got traded to Colorado," and it was the same thing. No one, no one told you anything. So I have seen it before, but just hearing that story about driving to the game, being ready to play for your team, and then I'm assuming you weren't allowed to play for them that night because you'd just been traded. So like, 
with Canada to the States, you can't, uh, you got to get like all your visas and stuff. But because I got traded, when I got traded to Vancouver, I was Canadian, so I could play right away. Sorry, but you, did, you didn't so play for the night. Panthers that night, though, that your coach told you you'd just been traded. You just sat there. and No, I didn't play that night. I was already traded. So that's why I was just waiting for the, I was just waiting to be told by Vancouver where, if I was flying out or anything. So I didn't, yeah, I was done. As soon as they told me that, I was done as a Panther and, Never played another game there. So what was your next steps? Did they and, fly uh, from Boston straight to Vancouver? No, I went to uh, Dallas. To meet the team. And uh, Yeah, and then met the team the next day morning. So I stayed over in Boston, and then the next day flew to Dallas, met the team. They all walked basically right by because they didn't know who I was. And I just went to a steakhouse on my own and had dinner. I was like, oh, nice group, nice bunch. <laughs> nice bunch of guys, those guys. But, uh, you know, the next day went to morning skate. Then all the guys were like, oh, hey, man. And, like, and we had a great group there. Like, I had so much fun with that group of guys. Like, they were awesome. And uh, played that night. And and then uh, after the game, flew to Vancouver for the first time. And they just like, all right, you're going to this hotel. This is where you'll be staying. And, and luckily enough, uh, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Sarah, she met me, I think, like two or three days after – the uh, trade it was like a total rock star and got all my clothes and everything I needed. Cause like we were only in like a two game road trip with Florida. So I had like nothing with me, but my one suit and like a change of clothes. So it was definitely uh she bailed me out of a good one there. Hey, like you're not the only sports person or NHL player to have to get traded uh, mid season. You did it many times, but like, how do you get your head around that lining up? I've done it, I've done it many times. You're right about that. <laughs> But it's surely that much you talk about confidence and routine and all these things that come with stability. Like I loved my pregame routine. I was, we'll talk about those later on, like the specifics around how it helped calm you down. Like you've just gone, you've flown to Dallas to meet a team to play like with a bunch of new guys you never met. You don't know the coaches. You don't know the systems. Then you're living out of a hotel in Vancouver. Like that stuff's everything around as far as confidence and, and routine. It's weird. It's, it's messed up, man. Think about it. It's crazy. Think about this. Think about this. This is the <laughs> This is a hilarious way of thinking about, but like for the, for a normal guy, right? Imagine you change your jobs and stuff, right? Like how nervous you are. You got to meet all these people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then after your day at work, you have to go shower with all those guys for the first time, all these strange, <laughs> strange guys. You've never met. And you're just like, all right. Let's um, get it all out. Yeah. Great practice. Let's hit the showers. Just just met you guys an hour ago, but let's go uh, go have a shower together now. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. That's what always makes me laugh about it. It's just normal. And you're like, this isn't normal. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, I mean, how did you even adjust to, but, to – I mean, I'm assuming you know the guys' names, but hockey from what I know, because we'll cover later on, but I'm quite the hockey player myself, um, it's so much about intuition out on the ice and knowing where other guys are. And you're all of a sudden – you're kidding up and skating out there with a line that you've never skated with before. So even how do you get into it? How do you sort of get your rhythm back um, as quick as you can? Because the team's expecting you to perform straight away. That's what I mean, man. Like going, like I make jokes about it, but it, it is those types of things. Cause you know, if you are nervous right away going into it and as silly as that sounds, like I make jokes about like even the showers, but if you're nervous about being around these guys, that's going to translate to your mm. game. 
So you're you're willing to be put yourself. You have to put yourself out there fully. Basically, you have to be. Um, you have to have a. You know, you have to be tough. You have to you have to be willing to stand up for yourself because because you gotta you gotta make a good first impression for these guys. Like we had a great older bunch of guys there with that had like amazing careers. We had the Sedin twins. We had Kevin Bieksa. We had uh, uh, Edler. We had a bunch of great hockey players on that team. And I just got traded there for a longtime friend of theirs who was an Olympian goalie. And it's like, okay, like I, I can't just come in here and like feel that like there's no time for me to just like feel this one out. Like I got to dive into it fully right off the bat. Cause like, I got to make an impression. I got to be a good teammate. I got to. So it's like those things that may be awkward or tough, like going on the ice and you don't know the drills or you don't know the workouts. You, you can't just sit back and like think somebody's going to hold your hand and like take you through it. That's not going to happen. What Like you got to dive into it fully. You got to do it yourself. And, and hopefully you have someone like I did that can help you with your life outside of the game who can bring your clothes or, you know, transport your life to you. Cause that's a big thing. And uh, you know, that makes you comfortable. If you're, if you're comfortable in your hotel room. And for me, I had a great time cause I was, I was going around this new city. Uh, my brother lives in Vancouver. Sarah was down there with me and we were just making the most of it. The guys were awesome. Um, and I had no problem fitting in with them because I really respected and appreciated everyone in that organization and everyone in that city. It sounds like you, I mean, to me, it just sounds like a, a lonely experience, but I mean, that makes a lot of sense. What you're saying is you can, you can be lonely and, and feel sorry for yourself and that's not going to get you anywhere or you can dive straight in. I mean, what advice if you were given, if someone um, called you up and said, Hey mate, my son, he just got traded. He's twenty one. He's he's moved cities. He's he's a bit flat. And you had to call the kid up. What advice would you give him? I'd be like, buddy, figure it out. Like, <laughs> like what you know? If it's it's like no one's gonna help you. It, nobody can help you out. You know, you're in the wild. Basically, you gotta you just gotta put yourself out there. It's it's tough. Like it's tough meeting new teammates. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy being in a new city. It's you, you have to find your routine. You have, that's, that's what I would say. Just find a routine, make yourself a routine. Like, what do you like to do in this city? Like what were things that you were doing there? Like, and now put it together in this city. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I like to have a breakfast spot, you know, on a nice day off, I'm going to go for breakfast, uh, where you get groceries, where you get gas, figure out all those things in your day-to-day life and put it and put your life into order or else you're going to be in complete chaos. You know, I read that book, um, 12 rules to life by Jordan Peterson. And, uh, the thing I took away from that book was about the order and chaos, you know, just having a routine and, uh, you know, a couple other books I read lately, um, talk about the same thing like that. Aubrey Marcus, basically his books all about just putting 24 hours together. So obviously, I think that's a big thing to for a professional athlete because you want to feel this. You want to feel a certain way when you're out there all the time, right? But if you're living like differently and sleeping patterns are off and all this, like how are you supposed to feel the same every game? It's just not going to happen. So get a routine, get out of your comfort zone, and and go find what you liked about the city before, or, or and uh, make it your new home. Because like we said, nobody's going to hold your hand, and it's it's tough, but. Uh, 
I mean, if you get yourself back in that routine, the chaos will settle. Mate, like I said at the start and off air, this podcast is all about sharing specific lessons to younger versions of us. Like my whole goal is I wish that my 16-year-old self could be listening to something like this to take these cues. And I think you've just absolutely hit the nail on the head, not just for being traded in cities. I think even not even just for athletes, like people in general, routines are such undervalued um, parts of life. Like the most successful people could tell you what they do before big events, tell you what they do in the morning. Uh, because it does, it just takes. I love that sort of ordering the chaos kind of idea that you brought forward. I mean, let's let's go into that then. What what are some of your routines? What's your game day routine look like so that you don't get too overwhelmed with nerves or or even just to sort of stay calm beforehand? Um, I would think like, well, just day to day routine, like just right now, like decompressing from hockey. You know, it's just get up in the morning go to the gym, <laughs> like get it all. It's still kind of the same thing as like what the hockey world is. I put myself in that kind of, I used to go to the gym at like 10 and 1030 workouts. Now I'm, I force myself to get up at 630 every day. And during the season, it's tougher to do because you, you're not getting as much sleep and sometimes your routine's all messed up. So I think you got to get that routine in your summers, your off season the most, because that's when you got to get the mind right the the most before you go back into that stressful situation, like called a season. It's, it's tough. You're playing 82 games playing against the best players in the world. For me, it doesn't come easy to me. Like I got to work my tail off just to stay in the league. And, and uh, sometimes that's stressful for me. And uh, so when I'm home, that's when I need to have a good routine the most because this is my time away from the game. And when I can work on things to get better. But uh, during a season, I mean, it's pretty much routine for everyone, right? There's uh, They text you with the time. You see the text. You get there usually an hour, maybe half an hour before the meeting. And then you go morning skate, have your pregame meals, go home, get a sleep, uh, wake up, go to the rink, have a snack, and play some soccer, get a good warm-up in, and there you go. You're back on the ice and you play another game. So you don't have too many little nuances of, of your own within that structure. So that's the team's routine that you have to go through. But are there certain little rituals that yeah, you like to do? Uh, I kind of try to get away from uh, just the crazy little things. I used to have like all the little things, but uh, I think we all kind of suffer as a professional athlete a little bit of OCD. You know, how I got to have my stick here. I got to... I got to wear my hat this way. I got to tape my stick this way. I got to put my tape here. And it's like sometimes I try – I thought I went too overboard, and then I try and get away from it, and then I'm like, I got to go back into it. So it's tough to to be that way all the time. Mm. There's that. There's definitely a fine balance between. I mean, you look at Rod, uh, not Rod, Rafael Nadal serving, and he's got those quirks with his pull his jersey, wipe the sweat, move the hair, that kind of thing. And and you laugh. And I used to look at that and go, oh, well, he has a routine. He's ordering the chaos in his mind. So as long as he does that, he feels in control of an environment that's quite stressful. But if you talk to a sports psychologist, yeah. they'll say, yeah, but that's borderlining on OCD. And when you're an athlete, OCD, I think in essence, is nearly a good thing because it does give you that order of the chaos, which we're all just trying to find because sport is chaotic. But in the real world, if you take that behavior, and maybe that's an issue that someone like a Rafael Nadal will have to deal with when he stops playing tennis, it's not a healthy habit to be flicking on the light switch eight times before you go to bed kind of thing. There's this fine line around what you do to yourself as an athlete versus yeah. what's not healthy in the real world. But 
I don't know if there's a right or a wrong. I know I was kind of similar. I knew it was stupid sometimes putting the left boot on before the right some seasons or having one song that I'd always listen to last, but it made me feel better. If that's what I had to do to feel better to go out there, that, I mean, that's kind of why I did the routines anyway, as crazy as they may have been. Yeah, it's funny you bring up light switches. Those get me sometimes. <laughs> I wasn't getting about light switches. But, but, like, think about it. Like, you're playing a game, and you played a physical game as well. There's, it, you're going out there and like a friend of mine recently said to me, he goes, it's like you're coming home from war. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not saying like actually, but he's like, it's kind of the same thing in a weird sense that you, you're like in this like very like alpha man. I don't know what coming home from war is like, so I'm not comparing it to that, but he was just trying to say like your, your brain switched on to a certain thing. Like you're, you're going, you're trying to be like this tough guy all the time, right? You're going in the corners with guys trying to kill you. You're, you're practicing hard with the guys. So your, your brain switched on in a different sense than when, how it is when you come home and then you come home and you're trying to like water the plants and like, you know, cut your grass and like be a normal person. But like for eight months of the year, you're, you're playing 82 games where you're just like, at times like got to be in this different mindset and then to like come down from that is it can be, it can be weird, you know, it can be tough on you. So that's what I'm trying to say. You need your thing. So you, you know, we're fortunate that we have time on our hands, whether you play the guitar or something in that time or do whatever. I notice a lot more guys now actually like traveling with an instrument. Like uh, a friend of mine does it and who was playing for Boston. Now he's with New York. Uh, a guy I know who um, one of our goalies this year was traveling with a guitar. Like he's doing, they're doing stuff for their mind because they, and they're older guys, you know, that have been through it for a while. And, and uh, you know, in, in uh, Winnipeg, we have Dustin Bufflin, who's a big fisherman and stuff. Like he gets away from the game and he goes and does his fishing. And then when it's hockey season, he's there for work and he's, he's relaxed from it for so long. Now he's ready to go again. And I think uh, that's something I wish I had, like realized more when I was younger. Well, you've done some travel now in your off season. You and Goody went over to, to Africa. You've been to Australia before and a few other spots with Sarah. Uh, has that been a good little break for you mentally at the end of seasons to sort of refresh and do the same, same sort of principle as the fishing? Definitely. Like for me, that was uh, like life changing. You see, you just learn to appreciate things more, man. Like, you know, you've been all over the place and you've seen way more than I have, but um for me, like those trips were just like, oh, there's, there's another life other than hockey out here. And sometimes I think about, I'm like, was it the best thing for my hockey career? Cause you know, I started to change my mindset a little differently and maybe that's just getting older and the body's a little slower, but like the game changed, like my game changed a little bit too. Right. And, and uh, before, like I said, I'd be right in the gym training and then there I'd take a couple of weeks. I, you know, I do some workouts here and there, but wasn't like anything I was doing before. So, but at that time in my life, I was like, I need to um, get away from the game for a bit and, and take some time to relax the mind and, and see some different things. And it came back, I think a better person and uh, a smarter person because I saw things that I thought I'd never see in my life. And uh, I was fortunate to see those things and, and, uh, and um, definitely humbling. 
Yeah, it's a tough one. It kind of brings me back to what you said earlier around whether 100% in versus having other things to do is a right or wrong way. I mean, for me, travel was just absolutely crucial. Living in Melbourne, it's like Toronto for hockey is Melbourne for Aussie rules, except you've got nine Toronto Maple Leafs teams there. So everybody is insane, but no one's your friend. Um, and if I never left, I would. I don't think I ever would have got through the next season. I had to get out of there to get that mental break. But I often, sort of similar to you, would have this guilt around. It was more not that I, I knew I was training hard enough and I'd come back and win the time trials and things, but there'd always be this doubt that other people think were thinking that I wasn't taking it seriously. And maybe these days is a little bit different. They're realizing that balance is important, like traveling with your musical instrument is actually a good thing. You're not weird and taking time away to go to another country. And like you say, gain perspective, meet people, have life lessons is actually going to be valuable because it helps you grow up, helps you mature. And that's what you need to be as an athlete. You need that mature mindset. But yeah, I don't know, it was, it was hard to sort of play that play that um, balance in the right way without pissing someone off. Um, and I guess there's probably never a right or wrong, but, but the sounds of things when you guys went over to Africa, that looked like an amazing trip, but I don't think you'd probably trade for anything. What was one of the highlights from uh, from that? Oh man, that that trip was that trip was nuts, but it was it was awesome, man. Like we saw lions and all that, and but and did some skydiving and biking. Yeah, I mean it was just a cool trip. We did a lot of stuff that was fun, but the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway was just meeting the people, and you know you see things that you've never seen before, and it was. It, we, the one day, I think the best thing we did was we spent a day with the kids and we went and played. Uh, they knew we were hockey players, so they um, they had uh, field hockey sticks for us. So we played field hockey for a while and they got bored of that a little bit quicker. And so then we started playing soccer and uh, just spending a day with kids like that. And, um, you know, it was like I said, I talked about being humbling and stuff and you start to realize how smart, small you really are in the world. And, mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, 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 very lucky to play this game for a living and to have the life I have. And, um, you know, there's people that can't be as fortunate and stuff. And it was, I hate to say it, but like when you're young and your whole world's hockey or whatever, or whatever it is, Aussie football or whatever, sometimes you don't think about things that you really should, you know, things that are important in the world, important to your family you just kind of get caught up in your own things. So um, going there was definitely a great way to, to learn about the world and, and to see some things that like you don't see over here. So it, it was an amazing trip, and I got to spend it with one of my best friends, and uh, I wanted to change a thing. We've had a pretty rough uh, last two years since being at the Justice with injuries. I think it was your shoulder, yeah, and then has it been your knee recently or your hip? I should be knowing this. Yeah, I mean, I last year I tore some ribs apart, like the oblique, and did tore some like bone with it or something. I don't know. And then I did my MCL patella tendon on my uh, knee, grade three, and I had shoulder surgery uh, at the end of that season. And then beginning of this season, I mean, I uh, I hurt my back probably around I think it was January. So. Just getting old, man. Just getting old. Well, you talk about some of these trips and helping you really appreciate uh, your hockey. Having tough years like you have sort of the last 18 months, um, having that sort of stronger and more worldly perspective, does that help you 
get through these challenges or what are you doing a day to day when everyone else there is out there is playing and you're sort of stuck doing rehab? How do you, it's a pretty dark and lonely place. It's kind of like moving cities, I imagine, and moving, moving teams. I spend plenty of time in rehab. How do you get through those tough times? For me, that season with the injuries, I just started like working out all the time. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get back. Like, cause you want to get those things strong. Cause if you don't, they're going to, bother you the rest of your life so I just dove into rehab and and my fitness and I just trained hard and I got into crazy shape and I uh I just really committed myself to getting myself out of that situation and, and coming out and and um I knew how good a team we had in Winnipeg so I knew it would be tough to make the team again and uh so it was just uh just a lot of hard work, a lot of hard days. You know, six days of rehab on the shoulders is no joke. You, you got guys poking in there and prodding, and you're just like, there's days where you just don't want to do it again. But especially when you're on your third rehab stint of the calendar year, and, uh, you know, it wasn't fun, but it's part of the job. It comes with it. I mean, this year I was healthy, scratched for most of the year and all the playoffs, and yeah, that's different because now it's, you're still with the team, but you're not playing like that. For me, was tougher just mentally because it's just you don't really we go back to routine. I mean, one day you're skating before the guys or after, and it's just like you never the same day. And I thought that was the toughest part. But I was lucky enough to have a great group of guys. Like honestly, an like amazing group of guys in Winnipeg, and had a, t- a ton of fun there and. Uh, I was lucky to be with those guys because um, they definitely made coming to the rink still a lot of fun, and uh, we just had a great bunch of uh, characters. You've been really consistent with the stuff that I think's helped you be, you know, the champion that you are or have this long career. It seems like hard work is one thing that keeps you sane. Having balance and then just surrounding yourself um, by good people is that kind of a fair summary of sort of what's helped you progress through and survive what can be pretty you know tough and fun but tough and grueling career yeah I would say my dad taught me right like my dad he taught me good things in life you know he taught me how to be a hard-working guy and and to be respectful and and I look at my career I, I was always I would say respectful to the older players I never maybe to a fault because you have to be that competitive side but I was just I, I put my head down I went to work and I always worked hard in practice growing up, always worked hard in the gym like that. That's why I made it. If you, am I the best player that's ever played? Like, no, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I work to get where I am and uh, there's a lot of more skilled, better players out there than I am. And I mean, that's obviously evident looking at the NHL, but there's a lot of good players. I had a lot of skill and very talented more than I was, but they didn't have that work ethic and, you know, they didn't make it to this level. So it's a, you got to have a combination of the two, but, if it's one or the other, that hardworking player is always going to get that spot over the just a skilled, lazy guy because that's uh, it's character. You know, you want that guy around, and and uh, I that's what I made a career on. I mean, I my best year was like twenty eight points, and that's nothing to write home about. But I would go to camp and take my job seriously and uh, be a good pro in the summer, get in shape, and take care of myself, and and. Uh, I would have my times for balance where I would go do things that maybe it looked like I wasn't taking it seriously, like you said, but, um, but I was, cause I needed that at those times in my life. And, and, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of guys that travel and do some cool things. Mm. So I don't think it's no different than anyone else. I think that's very well said. Tell me if, when you are retired one day, and we'll, we'll come up later to uh, to sort of where you're at and what, how many more years and that kind of thing. But one day when you're retired, ten to fifteen years time, how would you want someone to explain your career? Like if oh, they were going to summarize Sean Mathias's career was, like what would you want them to say about you and the way you went about your career? Ten, fifteen years, Dan. Well, just, <laughs> now you, you can retire oh, yeah, too, but once, I'm just talking about in the future. We're looking back. You're done. Okay, okay. got you, got you. I just hope they say I was a good teammate and a good guy to be around and who uh, worked hard, man. Like like I said, like I don't think anyone's gonna be saying comparing me to Gretzky when my career is over and I don't think uh, I don't think that I'll be uh, first ballot to the Hall of Fame, but I you know, I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish because it was a goal of mine since I was a little kid. And mm-hmm. everyone looked at me like I was crazy when I would say I'm gonna go to the NHL and I'm sure every guy in the NHL probably has the same story. They all got, they all work to get there. And and when my kids are uh, older, I hope they, uh, you know, I hope they ask me questions about it, and I hope they learn from it if they're in sports or whatever they're doing. If it's just school or <laughs> just school, you know, I, I took <laughs> school real serious. You can tell by that one. Just school. Well, you're well read, but now. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm reading books, like I said. So I'm. Uh, pretty on top of things but uh um yeah i just hope someone asks questions and i hope i can help because i think it's a simple formula for me it was just to work hard every day i just really liked what you said around you used the word character and i think it's such an undervalued word when i talk to school kids or aspiring young athletes now it's the thing i try and sell them and you can see this glazed look all over their eyes like what the hell does character mean but i think you nailed it when you said you know if you could retire and people looked at you and just said, you know what, he was a good teammate, a good guy, and he worked hard. That just absolutely is embodied by character. You know, you've you've gone through, and my old coach used to say that um, you, know, you pick a team based on people of good character because they'll find a way to get the job done. I think you said it well before when plenty of guys I'd played with, obviously you played with who had more talent than both of us, uh, that just didn't get that far because I think that's probably what they lack. They lack character to do the hard work, to be humble, to ask for help, to give help, to do all those things that you know sort of set the – the not necessarily good from the grade, but those who take opportunities and those who don't. So I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there. Um, I just want to ask something. So you've been to many different teams. This is more kind of like an overarching theme. You've, you've spoken about the teams that have brought you in, like the playing groups being pretty tight, that kind of thing. What are you, you, your experience across the Panthers, the Canucks, the Leafs, the Avalanches and the Jets? What do you What are the key components of a good team that stand out for you? Of a good team? Yeah. Well, the best team I played on was uh, Winnipeg, so I'll, I'll draw from that. I mean, we had an amazing team this year, like amazing season. Best team I've ever been on. And uh, we just had great leadership. We had, um, we had from all the way down, you know, the owner was uh, involved. Uh, uh, Mark Chipman, um he was, uh, you know, he cares a lot about that organization, about that city. You got uh, Chevy, who has drafted all those young guys who are just panning out to be absolute studs. Um, Paul Maurice, who, and the other coaches who were all, you know, Paul Maurice kept saying, like, that we're going to win this year. And that's pretty ballsy to say when the year before you didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, and then all of a sudden now you're a team that we could have easily won that Stanley Cup. 
we had that good of a team. Mm-hmm. Vegas was the Vegas played an amazing series, but um, you know we had Wheels, who was a great captain, and Buff, who was a, another good. You, you talk about balance; those two kind of balance each other out. They hold each other accountable in a sense, and and uh, I think it's a good gelling team there. And the guys all got along, and we had a lot of fun. They they always say everything's better when you're having when you're winning. And, like, it can't be any more true. When you're winning and the team's doing well, it's the best thing in the world. And being on that team this year, like, I wasn't even playing. I was just like, this is just awesome to be a part of. Like, it is just – this is amazing to me. Like, obviously, I wanted to play hockey at the same time, but I'm happy I got to be a part of that and and uh, experience it all. I mean, if everyone loves being a part of a winning team, but you went from not making playoffs to – Nearly, like you said, nearly making it to the Stanley Cup, and then who knows what could have happened. What was the turnaround from um, the first year to the next? All the I think just guys, got, yeah, guys just got older. I think um, you know you got Patrick Line, who's a year older, and he's like so talented, and it's ridiculous. And and then you got uh, you know Shifley's, he's an absolute stud. But I, I think one of the biggest things was. Um, away from just guys being a year more experienced and stuff like that. But I think our, our captain and um, Wheeler was just, he came to the rink every day and was like an absolute savage. Like he was just like, like you could see how much it meant to him. And he worked his ass off every single day and he was, he was a really good captain. And uh, also Bufflin, like you look at him in playoffs, like that's what you need. You need your best players to be your best players. And those guys all year were our best players. Like our power play was absolutely ridiculous. And, um, but those guys, like they were competitors, man. Like it was, it was cool to see like, like to, to grow from that. Like I'm 30 years old and like, I was like, Whoa, this is, this is, this is fun to watch. No doubt. So what's the, what's the go? You're a free agent. Uh, now what are you, what are you looking to the next few years? You know, man, I'm just I'm just kind of in the now right now. We're just uh, planning the wedding and and uh, just just kind of relaxing, just enjoying being home, hanging out with the dog, and uh, just working out and and uh, just being in this present moment. You're a wise, wise, wise man beyond your years. Actually, that was one thing I wanted to follow up on before, but just because I think hockey is probably one of those sports that hasn't been open to this for a long time about being present in the moment and something like mindfulness. You mentioned you've got into yoga and breathing the last few years, which is basically a mindfulness practice with the breathing and yoga, obviously the, the physical side as well. What brought you that, what brought you to that and, and, and how has it helped? Well, this is all new to this year. And right. uh, I think just last year, just I went so hard into like getting my shoulder ready. Like I was at the, as soon as I got home, I went to the gym and was there six days a week, getting rehab, working extremely hard. I went to camp like the lightest and leanest I've been in years. Like I was so small, but I think I was a little bit, probably should have taken a little bit more time for my shoulder personally, but kind of rushed back in there. And cause I wanted to be part of things, wanted to be back in it. And I, it, and then to all of a sudden not be playing and be a healthy scratch where you're working out all year. It was just kind of like, it was just hard, you know, it's just tiring. Just, I just went so hard for the summer to play 
but to go into just start working out again and it's just it was just tough so this year was just a different approach it was just like i'm going to come back here and you know just be just mellow out a bit and i need some other things to work on i work so hard on my body i need to start working hard on my mind and that's kind of where the thought of breathing and and my trainers were like we're going to start doing this breathing i don't even know you have to ask them but and uh i was like well i'm going to incorporate yoga too that should be good so i i have a girl that comes over and and uh sarah and i go down to the beach and we just do uh yoga for an hour with her and and uh she's been great do you think if you were starting your career again you'd you'd pick up yoga and adopt more mindfulness or breathing kind of things as a part of your early development do you think that would help would have helped i think it would have helped but i think it's hard to say right i mean i'm obviously at a different age different point in my life when i was young and like that i think i needed to be a little bit more like crazy intense. into it yeah more intense definitely and now i'm kind of getting older and i need to <laughs> can't be as intense anymore it's just you can't be you just can't do it for that long it's just for me anyways i mean but uh uh i would definitely try and calm that younger man down absolutely and just to be more in the present moment definitely maybe not maybe the intensity would still be there but just to not think too far in the future yeah, it makes sense. I can resonate with that. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Early days, you got to push yourself right to the wall to see how what your limits are, and then maybe later on, once you know your limits, it's just about managing them. And when you're getting close, something like a yoga or meditation can help bring you back. But I guess early days, you don't know what you don't know, and you won't know until you try and test yourself out. Maybe if that means getting injured or getting a bit mentally burnt out, well, then at least you've got a baseline for what you can tolerate. Absolutely. I mean, you spend like like I said I was like five years old I'm gonna make the NHL I'm gonna make the NHL I'm gonna make the NHL and all of a sudden you make the NHL it's like I just made the NHL like you know and now I gotta stay in the NHL I gotta stay in the NHL <laughs> and now I gotta like and then you think about winning and and it's just like it's just there's a lot of things you, you gotta think about the team you gotta think about yourself you gotta think about your family you gotta think about everyone so it's, it's just you can tire you out you just gotta be uh, it's just you got to take some time to yourself. And I didn't realize how I was working so hard on my body, but I didn't realize how little work I was doing on my mind. And I, I had a lot of good people around me saying like, you should think about this. And I just wouldn't listen. I just didn't understand what they were trying to like help me with. Like, and, and a lot of guys nowadays do talk to people and like sports psychologists and stuff and work on that mindset. And, and uh, I, I'm sure it's a lot more, uh, you know, much more used tool nowadays than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. So um, it's definitely guys are now the game's evolving and you can see it with these young players they are so confident, so talented, and they definitely have a different mindset. They're not coming in being respectful anymore. They're just like, they're just grabbing jobs and it's awesome to see, but sucks when you're an older guy like me a little bit, but you know, but these guys are so talented. You watch them play. You're like, well, <laughs> He is sick, so I can't really uh, can't really argue that one. I'm sure it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you working hard, knowing that they're nipping at your heels. That's for sure. Yeah, you're just like, oh my goodness, I gotta skate how fast now? <laughs> right, I'm just glad I'm my, like, hip out the there. You know? Yeah, speed's always the first thing to go, um, mate. You've touched on so many amazing things. I want to. Uh, I don't want to keep 
dragging um, more of this gold out of you. We might have to go around again, but um, I've got some short, quick questions for you to finish off. You good with that? Absolutely. This one I could have actually asked earlier, but um, we didn't introduce it. But you've had a few little tiffs, a couple of fights in your hockey career. You are a big guy. You like to have a bit of presence. What was your uh, your best fight and your worst fight? Best fight was probably Austin Watson. Austin, no, I didn't fight that guy. That guy would beat me up probably. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name now. Oh, man. Some guy in the We league. need to know so someone can Google I know, it. right? I'm just like, oh, man, uh, no. Um all, my, all, my, all the Aussies listening in will have to go because oh, right, in Australia, right. everyone thinks hockey is just a fighting sport. So they're going to know, all right, what? let's just see this bloke throw a few. My what f- about the worst one? Did you my get worst beat up? It was against Nathan Martini in junior. It was my second ever fight, maybe, I want to say. And I just remember he came like right at me and I wasn't ready for it. So I started like backing up. Like, and like we basically, he was like chasing me down because I was like, what the? Like, usually square off, you kind of circle each other. He just came at me. I was like caught off guard. So I just like did like a full backwards skate as fast as I could to like center ice and we grabbed on and he worked me pretty good. I didn't, that was just a bad one. I just, I was embarrassed after that one, but um, yeah. Actually, you may as well ex- explain to the, to the non uh hockey fans that listen in how fighting works I, I discussed this with jay harrison as well just briefly because he'd had a few tips too but um we always just assume growing up watching hockey or a little bit of hockey that they happen instantaneously but you've explained before that you'll actually ask each other about it and you'll be like you want to go and then all of a sudden when you get the next opportunity it, it's gloves down and you even said that people don't really want to go anymore so what's kind of the politics or um how, how does it actually worked out there on the ice guy just goes um I mean, if you do something stupid, you might get guys coming at you right away. But uh, I don't think it's as much anymore. But like at my first few years, it still happens every now and then. Guys will just be like, you want to fight? Want to go? And then it's like, yep, or whatever. And it's as easy as that. And they drop the mitts and square off and and uh, they have at it. Off you go to the sin bin afterwards for two minutes. Yeah, five minutes, <laughs> five minutes. Five minutes of fighting. Oh, that's right. They didn't have fighting in my league. We only had uh, – it would have kicked you out of the uh, out of the rink, unfortunately. don't think I would have been much of a fighter on skates either. Um, that was one of my questions. We, You took me skating one day with the Leafs boys up on that rooftop. How would you rate my skating abilities? You weren't bad. A little, uh, little uh, straight-legged, but uh, you weren't bad. We had a good day. I think you were a little loose because we had a few pops up there, but uh, you weren't – you were, you think were pretty, I could have made it? Uh, you're, you'll be decent for men's league one day. <laughs> More the hands. Yeah, I think More the hands that you got to work on. You might. Yeah, I might have grown up in the wrong country. I remember you had a beer in the hand, one stick on your uh, one hand, and your stick. I was fully committed to try and get that puck off you, and I was no chance. So and that dawned on me right there, and then my NHL career is probably um, passed me, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I took you to play some AFL. We came and did an AFL training session, Aussie Rules, uh, in Canada in one of those indoor sessions. What were your thoughts about footy? It's an intense game. It's uh, the dribbling. What do you, is that what you call dribbling? Bouncing. We just bounce it up every now and again. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. That's I don't know how you do that. So, But it's, uh, it's a fun game. I had a, that was a good day. I forgot about that. Yeah. I thought you actually moved quite well. Like I think, given that you don't have to worry about skating, that's probably my downfall for hockey. But I reckon you could have made quite a good Aussie Rules player. You've certainly got the size, and now that you're a runner, you've got a good um, 
frame for you, but I remember your lateral movement, probably because you guys spent so much time in a powerful position. You had good agility off um, on the angles, which is a, is a massive skill for our game. So, again, maybe another lifetime, mate, we could have swapped shoes and skates, boots and skates. Yeah, our next lifetime, we'll, uh, we'll switch her up. <laughs> All right, some valuable stuff. Now that you're a big reader, what are some books that you would recommend to, to maybe young aspiring athletes or if there's just a book in general you would really enjoy that you think people might like to read, what would you recommend? Um, Own the Day by Aubrey Marcus was a good one. Uh, Homo Sapiens, it's just an interesting book. Oh, yeah. and then it's like Homo Deus or something is his second book. Uh, David Goliath. There's a couple of the books I read recently. Oh, the Four Agreements. The Four Agreements is a good book. The Four Agreements. I've heard of that one. What one's that one? Uh, I don't know. Four Agreements, man. <laughs> All right. We'll look it up. Um, there's some good ones there. Actually, I've had a couple of those. I haven't read Own the Day. I might check that out. Um, podcasts. You put me onto Joe Rogan before, but is there anyone else that you've uh, you've been sort of getting into you think's worth a listen? I'm kind of just, uh, I'm just kind of on that Rogan train. I'll sometimes go check out a couple of clips from the guys he's got on as guests if uh, they're interesting. But I'm just, I'm kind of on that Rogan train still. So, no, nothing new there. That was a good tip. I've, uh, I've been tucking in since you put me on him too. Um, what's your best memory of your career to date? Probably just winning World Junior gold medal. I mean, I haven't won any championships. Uh, it's a tough question. Like, as soon as I start saying that, I just start thinking about, like, some of the guys I've played with and, and, the, and like, the groups of guys. You know, in Belleville, we had a great group of guys, and we were an awesome team. And it was just a lot of fun. Like, we, a lot of us still keep in touch. Um, Vancouver was a great time because we got to play in uh, – where my brother was, uh, Sarah and I had a great time together there and, uh, we had a great group of guys again there and, and, um, the city was awesome to me. The fans were great. Florida was amazing with, uh, some of the friends I made there and, uh, met a lot of really good people, great fans there. And, and it's kind of been the same thing everywhere. I mean, Winnipeg this year with the, the group of guys and, and going that farm playoffs and seeing that whiteout was as a fan of the game, I mean, that was special. So, and the fans were absolutely bonkers there. So it was, uh, it was really cool to see our, the street parties there would have like 25,000 fans outside the rink. And like, I've never seen that before. Like not a lot of people have. So it was, it was cool to be ex- experienced at all. I guess that we talk about the challenge of moving around to different cities and the things you've had to deal with. But at the same time, now you've got these, um, this amazing diversity in, and the things you've seen, the people you've met, the clubs you played for, all that kind of thing. I never really thought of it that way, but um, not everyone gets that kind of experience. Yeah, it's cool. It's been awesome. Um, last one. What What are the three best or biggest lessons that hockey's taught you? It's kind of taught me everything. I think I've everything I've learned in life, I've kind of learned because of hockey. Right? I learned a lot traveling and traveling I was able to do because I have a job that allows me to take some time off and is uh I'm very lucky with how much I'm paid so I'm I'm allowed to I'm able to go spend some money traveling because it's not cheap and um definitely learned a lot of lessons through that um just to you know being a good professional being punctual being on time you know know, being on time and uh 
you do a lot of things. You do a lot of things for charity. I mean, I think about that sometimes. I'm like, you know, you go to hospital visits, you, you do a lot of things like that that are awesome and amazing. The game's a great game. I mean, you give back quite a bit. You, you meet a lot of good people. Um, takes you out of your comfort zone all the time, whether you're public speaking or um, it's just the game has made me who I am. It's uh, it's definitely been great for my family. It's uh, I've had a lot of close um, moments with my parents and my brother and and with Sarah and and, uh, many friends and many other family members because of this game. Um, You know, your parents are kind of with you from day one, you go to the rink with them and then, it's they then they leave you and you go to junior on your own. You just got to figure out at sixteen because you're you're there by yourself and and then you you know you're at the draft with your parents there getting pumped up and they're always there supporting you and doing what's best for you and and uh, you don't you know you appreciate it more the older you get. Mm. Well, I'll leave this as the last one then. Sort of going. There's so much good stuff there, but if you were going to give advice to some young aspiring hockey player that's listening right now, 15, 16 years old, what's what's one thing you'd love them to take away? Oh, man. I don't know. Didn't we say this earlier? Didn't we? What did I go with? That was advice to you. That was advice to you when you were starting at, at Florida. So that was specific to what oh, your okay. sort of journey ahead was. But just now, any kid who thinks he can make it, what do you think would help him at that age? Any kid that thinks he can make it? I would just work on your craft. I mean, uh, if you're that age, I mean, you got to be buying in, you got to be bought in already. You got to be starting to train. And I mean, the kids these days are unbelievable. Like they're already training. Like I heard they have like nutrition plans and stuff. Like it's, it's way different now. Like I, I don't know what I would tell a kid. He'd probably already be like, look at me and go, buddy, I've already, I've been doing this for years. And I'd be like, what? So I, I don't know what you could tell a kid nowadays like that probably already knows like kind of what he's doing, but now he's just got to be good enough and have the right bounces to make it, I guess. So, I mean, I guess all I would say is be a good teammate. Just if you're just be a good guy in the dressing room, because there's nothing worse than like, you don't want to be the guy in the room that like, you know what I mean? You want to be one with the guys. Cause if you're winning, it's those guys next to you that are going to get you there. And you got to be close with all of them. And that's what I like. I seen Winnipeg this year. That was a close group of guys that battled hard every night for each other. So you can't just think about yourself. You got to think about your team and, and uh, not get caught up about what's best for, for, uh, for myself, but what's best for the team. So I would just be say, be a good teammate. Man, I think that's amazing advice. And like you said earlier, there's so many guys with talent now. And if 16 year old kids have got everything, as far as the information to make it, I think that's certainly one lesson that probably gets learnt later and, and, and you've kept bringing it back, like be a person, a good character, or be a good teammate. Because even ultimately, if there's that much talent going into a draft, the, the lists are only so big. If everybody's talented, then what are the coaches going to do? They're going to pick good people because, you know, as my coach used to say, good people find a way to get the, the job done and you'll be sustained. You'll sustain your career if people like playing with you, like you said. So... You, know, you struggled to come up with anything at the start, but I think you've absolutely um, hit the jackpot there. And hopefully, you know, young 16-year-old kids with the talent do take that on board because you do get – life's also a lot more enjoyable if you're a good person because people will treat you respectfully back as well. Oh, for sure. Um, 
Well, mate, you've been full of gold. Is there anything else you wanted to add or ask or no, my, uh, advise? To I ordered a nice it? chicken shish kebab. It's been sitting here the whole time. It's nice and cold, so I'm just going to go enjoy that right now. <laughs> well, mate, I really do appreciate it. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. I um, I look forward to uh, – I'm bloody disappointed I can't get there for your wedding, but hopefully we'll catch up later in the summer and do this without a microphone and have a couple of tinnies as well. But, mate, I think people are going to find this really valuable. I'm sure there'll be some young – Hockey people who tune in, but I know a lot of Aussies will find it fascinating to hear what a you know stalwart like yourself in another sport that they've got a lot of respect and admiration for, but maybe didn't have the the inside knowledge on. I think they'll take a lot away. So, again, mate, I uh, appreciate you making the time, and we'll have to do it again in person next time. Awesome, thanks for having me. Another long one. Hopefully, you managed to stick with it, and hopefully, you enjoyed listening to Sean as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, whether you're an Australian and you don't really know much about hockey, I'm sure you found his insights and his stories and experiences interesting and hopefully useful for your own uh, for your own journeys. And if you're a young North American who perhaps is aspiring to play in the NHL one day, there's no doubt plenty of wisdom and advice that you took from Sean's uh, own experiences around the importance of being uh, a person of good character and, and a good guy in the, in the, in the locker room about building habits and being disciplined and using routines and also about having some balance, especially as you get older, finding a way to have that decompression time and rest your mind as much as your body. Uh, So to finish, the quote this week is from John Wooden, the legendary NCAA basketball coach. He coached UCLA to 10 NCAA championships in 12 years. And you'll see his quotes everywhere, but I love this one. It's probably my go-to one. I think it applies to Sean quite a lot. The quote is, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. It's a tough one today's day and age where we're constantly on social media and putting ourselves out there and uh, trying to get other people to think of us more highly. That's reputation. Doing the right things time and time again, treating people well, being a person, a good person in the locker room, as Sean said, that's character, and that will get you a lot further than anything else. So... Take it or leave it, but it's uh, come from a guy who's been there and done that for the for a long time, the top tiers of, of hockey, and I can certainly back it up from my experiences in the AFL. We will see you very shortly. Thanks again for listening.